0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I am John Schwartz. I'm the Deputy Editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our Editor-in-Chief, Al Sanasiri. Hello. What's up, Al? And we have our Executive Editor, Nathan Makaborski. Hello, everybody. And this is, you know, I think what we are obviously calling the, oh my god, it's spring training edition of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Welcome, to spring training everybody if Mm -hmm. uh, I say welcome it's actually I should be saying goodbye because Al's about to be leaving us for a few weeks and then Nate's going to be gone and then I'm going to be gone our next episode is going to come to you from Tampa so you can look forward to that but while we're on the subject of what we're looking forward to we're kind of nearing the finish line of what we've been calling season three of the Yankees magazine podcast and I know that I for one have gotten so much joy out of the things that we've been able to do this year and all I can say is just we have huge things coming in the next year. And I'm so excited about some of the things that we're going to start doing, not just with this podcast, but we're going to start introducing some new shows. We're going to start doing some really special things I wish that right now I could talk about all of them. That's still a few weeks away. All I can say is, you know, keep watching this feed. Keep following us at Yanks Magazine on Twitter. We're going to be talking a lot about that stuff there. This is going to be some exciting stuff that we've been working at for a long time that we're really excited to get started with. So it's a great time. Just make sure you're subscribing. Make sure that you're telling your friends to subscribe. Make sure that you're grabbing your sister's phone, your brother's phone, your wife's phone, your mother's phone. And I'm sure that they'd want to subscribe too. So... You know, Nate, I think we should start with your story from the spring issue, which will go on sale at George Snyder field for the spring training opener on February 22nd. But also, if you subscribe or if you call 800-GO-YANKS or go to yankees.com slash publications, you can pick up your copy as well. Nate, you wrote about a guy who you've written plenty about over the years, but not like this.
0: Yeah, well, you know... Uh Derek Jeter being elected to the Hall of Fame was, you know, no surprise to anybody. I think we all knew that come January of 2020, he was going to be a first ballot guy, no question, but still... Something that was an honor, really, to to cover. You're right. I have written a bunch about Jeter over my time here. So, you know, when it was announced, I think on the 21st of January, that he did, in fact, receive election to the Hall of Fame on, I believe it was 396 out of 397 ballots or something like that. They scheduled a a press conference for the next day in Midtown Manhattan. And uh, I attended that that press conference along with our two photographers, Ariel Goldman Hecht and Barry Schneiderman, and had a lot of fun doing it. I went in with a very open mind. You know, I I didn't really have a predetermined headline or angle. You know, I just kind of went into like a lot of stories, just observe and, and see what happens and report on what happens. And you know, what I saw and what I what I came away with was just as a as a Yankee fan, seeing Derek Jeter back in New York and just so happy and smiling and it was wonderful. It really was. You know, it brought back a lot of great memories, but um even more so, it was just like refreshing. You know, he's involved with another organization right now, which is strange to begin with, and it's been a, a, a tough time for the Marlins. He's still kind of uh, you know, they're they're trying to build stuff from scratch down there. So, you know, a lot of the, you know, times where you see him in the media or giving interviews or whatever, it's, you know, some tough subjects and losing and, and empty seats and like. Which, you know, kills him. I mean, you just yeah. know that kills him. And, and is nothing that we've ever associated with him. So to see him back in the city that he essentially owned for two decades, smiling from ear to ear And just surrounded by familiar faces, you know, he had a his wife was there and his best friend was there. And even beyond that, just, you know, reconnecting with old friends in in the media and and PR people. And just he just seemed to be back in his element and and he was loving every minute of it. I
1: have to take the L
0: here in some ways, because, you know, I
1: I, I'm amazed. I didn't think this was going to last as long as it did him running a team. And I'm not knocking the Marlins, and I and I know it's going to sound like I am. I don't even mean this is knocking the Marlins. I mean this is talking about a team that is not the Yankees. Like it just it never struck me that you know Jeter could do something like this. And you know, Nate, I I wasn't at the presser, but watching him do you know all the stuff, watching him on MLB Network and all these things, I totally agree with you. What you saw was. The Derek Jeter you remember. And it makes me wonder even more just like why he's doing this. Um, He doesn't need to. I can't imagine it's a very joyful position to be kind of in that position with a team. You're right. It's strange because his legacy is just so much weirder than it was a few years ago. When you know he was just Derek Jeter and he was the captain and he was this guy who never never really let you inside, but gave you just enough that you kind of felt like you were a little bit inside. And now I know that for however many days this summer we get to play the game again, Derek Jeter being you know Yankees captain, Derek Jeter or not Marlins owner, Derek Jeter. I'm really looking forward to that because I just think that that's more where he belongs than where he is right now.
2: I'm looking forward to it also for for me there's no one that I've covered over my time here with the Yankees more closely than Derek Jeter. Uh, he was somebody who I got to know and got to know his family and I, I can identify with everything you guys are talking about. It's it's kind of sunk in a little bit for me that he's the owner of the Marlins or part of their ownership group. It was weird at first. I interviewed him at Marlins Park you know a couple years ago for a Yankee story it's it's weird. For me interviewing Viewing him in the dugout a thousand times or different locations, but all through that lens of, of him being a Yankee and him always being in a baseball uniform, seeing him in a, a different uniform, you know, the uniform of a, a uniform of a CEO in a suit is is weird. But it's really, really cool to see him now in a completely different uniform or, or, if you will, a third uniform and that being the uniform of the National Baseball Hall of Fame, seeing him in that Hall of Fame jersey. You know, really brought a lot together for me, someone who I always, you know, for a very, very long time believed was a Hall of Famer um, and not that, you know, uh, that is, uh, you know, any kind of real revelation because everybody, I think, realized that from, you know, almost from day one. Except for one person, apparently. Yes, except for one person. We don't know who that is.
1: But uh, at
2: the same time, seeing him in that uniform, you know, it's kind of like a full circle moment uh, for somebody who covered him for a long time, who admired him forever and uh, long before
1: I even worked here. Um, And that's where he belongs. You know, the two of you have kind of been on our Hall of Fame beat the last two years. You know, both of you handled a lot with the Mariano stuff last year, and of course, uh, the Musina stuff also, and this year with Jeter, you guys are both taking a big part of what we're doing this year. And you know, this isn't an original comment, and and, and I know this is obvious, but it bears mentioning there is nothing that you can knock about Mike Musina's Major League Baseball career. And, and And I mean, as whether you're an Orioles fan or whether you're a Yankees fan, you know, the hall of famer is a hall of famer and and, and man did he do it you're just not gonna see a whole lot more
3: of mariano and jeter me and mo i i've known mariano since i've been 18 years old we've been through quite a bit together and uh you know he's someone that uh you know he was he was what could you say i mean he's he's arguably the the greatest relief pitcher in the game i mean there's always up for debate right but um you know, he's a guy that uh we wouldn't have had all these championships if it wasn't for him. You know, because he was basically automatic. So it's an honor for me to uh be in the Hall of Fame. I don't care where they put me, They can put me in the restroom if they want to. <laughs> but uh to be next to Mo is 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 quite a thrill. You know, and
1: and you'll look, you know, right right near their plaques in the gallery. You've seen us there you know, without a logo on his hat. And just like that, that NY, obviously we know what it looks like on Mo and we can sense, you know, Jeter. It's just, it's such a, it's such a part of the story. It's not just an icon on bronze. It is really their legacy is that NY. And it's just so special that there's not a list of 14 teams that they played for, you know, at the top of their plaque. It's just New York Yankees. It's beyond special. It's
2: special because, He was a Yankee before he was a Yankee. You know, he grew up through the fandom of his grandmother loving the Yankees. And, you know, one of my favorite stories that I ever did about Derek Jeter, I didn't even interview Derek Jeter for, but I spent a long, you know, three or four hour lunch with his parents and them sharing their memories of him as a child. And what I realized, you know, people always ask me, what was your takeaway from that lunch? You know, and there were like 15 takeaways that I had. But I think more than any was really the passion that he had for the Yankees and the passion that he had to become a Yankee someday. And it almost seemed, and I, you know, I hate to sound like too much of a fairy tale, but it almost seemed like there was some sense of destiny there. Yeah,
0: and that's what he said at the the end of his press conference. You know, somebody had asked
3: him, you know, just simply, what are you most proud of? And and that was it, just being a Yankee. I'm most proud that I was a Yankee. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do since as long as I could remember was play shortstop for the New York Yankees, and I had an opportunity to do that. I had an opportunity to do it for a long time, and um, when it's all said and done, that's what I'm I'm most proud of.
0: It, it was all he ever wanted to do, and, and he did it as well as anybody. I mean, he's the only player in history to record 3,000 hits as a Yankee. He's the only player in history to play 20 seasons with the Yankees. It's a career that is really unparalleled in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, it was funny, though, because, you know, they announced the, the Hall of Fame... Uh, results on Tuesday evening, like around 6 p.m. And the press conference is the next day, 3 p.m. So less than 24 hours later, he's there like it's a whirlwind, you know, and and you don't necessarily have time to to just ruminate on all of it and and, and really come to, you know, be able to express what it all means to you in such a short amount of time. He was still, you could tell, kind of processing it.
3: You know, it's, it's hard to put into words. I've told everyone throughout the course of not only my career, but in the last five years up until yesterday, I just didn't want to talk about it.
0: So that's one of the reasons I'm certainly looking forward to uh, to this summer and, and hearing, you know, after he's had a few months to, for it to really sink in and he's gone up to Cooperstown and, and, and you know, seen the plaque. And I think his speech uh, this summer it, during the induction, the formal induction, is, is going to be really special.
1: Totally agree, and and you know Nate, one thing that you touch on a lot in your story, as part of that idea of just processing it, you know, in such short time, is obviously it was going to come up. There, someone asked him about that one voter and what he thought.
3: See, that's where our minds are a little bit different. I focus on the ones that did. I mean, it takes a it takes a lot of people to all agree to get you to this point. So I am not thinking about that. I'm I'm happy that I'm sitting up here on this stage right now and, and uh, you know, that's something that just doesn't cross my mind. Derek, I watched you for,
1: 20 some odd years there's no way that's true like no one ever like took every single slight or anything someone said against him and used it to you know push him to you know do something better or anything like that more than you did like i i I don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong or maybe he's changed in five years or whatever but like the derek jeter i know is going down the entire list of BBWAA members like and trying to figure out who's the one
2: you know i i think that he is Obviously, very diplomatic, and, and he should be. <laughs> um, but I will say, yeah, it probably does bother him. Or it probably does. And, of course, he's going to say that it doesn't, and I understand that, and I respect that. But you know what? I'll say I don't have a problem with the process, with the, with the way that – You know, it's announced how many people voted, you know, what the percentages are that when a a player gets in or anything like that. I know there's been a lot of talk about you're either in or you're out. Maybe they should change. No, I think it's a it's still a feather in his cap that he got ninety nine percent of the votes as opposed to more than anybody else other than Mariano. Exactly. More than anybody else. But you know what? If there is frustration. And I'm not saying that there is because he obviously is saying that there's not. But if there is frustration, there should be frustration. And the reason I say that is I would love to understand the logic behind someone not voting for a player – a hitter, not a pitcher, but a hitter who in the history of baseball, only five other people had more hits then. And then in the postseason, that player was even a better player than they were in the regular season. He's not frustrated, but I'll say on behalf of him, I'm frustrated <laughs> and it's hard to understand. It doesn't make any sense to
1: me at all. But it's, I mean, look, I, I'm not trying to be undiplomatic here when I say this. It, it's the sign of a broken system. Like, there it, there are a number of reasons, strategic reasons, why a voter can say, I'm not going to check Derek ma- name." name. Maybe, sure. maybe there were 10 other people he really wanted to. Maybe it was between, you know... Derek Jeter, and Larry Walker for that last you know slot on his ballot. And I'm, I'm thrilled that he picked Larry Walker if that was the case, if he mm-hmm. also had nine other guys who wanted to get in on it, because I'm, I'm thrilled Larry Walker's a Hall of Famer. But every time you hear some sort of explanation like this, what you're saying is that the system is somehow broken, yeah. because Mariano Rivera has proven, obviously, that those people who said they would never vote for a first ballot person because... X, Y, or Z didn't get in first ballot. Ha ha. Well, obviously those people have either died out or they had their vote taken away, and that's a positive for the balloting process. I I don't want everyone you know going to buy their torches and pitchforks and going to this voter's house or anything like no, that. I don't God, need no. this person to be you know exposed as like a criminal in any way. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand like what the integrity of the voting process is if this happens. Something is broken if but wait is it 396 out of 397 is that where, is that the right number I,
0: I believe so yeah
1: you, you you are obviously wrong if you're the one in that situation
0: <laughs> yeah I, I agree with
2: you and i i think it's it should be about either the person is a hall of famer or they're not a hall of famer you know and it doesn't matter what who, who you know what other people are voting for or who other people are voting for i should say you know if you believe he's a hall of famer in a, in a system that's not broken you vote for him if you don't believe he's a hall of famer you don't and again, somebody who had more hits than anybody that ever played the game, except for five people, who was a postseason hero time and time and time again, it's hard to to understand that logic. I think about it this way to an extent. Derek Sheeter just got voted into the Hall of Fame, the greatest honor that you can have as a player in a sport, bigger than winning a World Series or, or anything that he did. And the topic, of, the topic of conversation the night that he got elected— was not that he received the highest honor in the sport it was that someone didn't vote for him and the questions that he was asked there were as many questions he had to answer about the one person who didn't vote for him as questions about the highest honor of his life i'm not you know advocating that hall of famers are either in or out and there's the vote is, the voting is not represented in terms of numbers i just think Hopefully the focus shifts drastically and I think it will towards the fact that Derek Jeter got in with ninety-nine percent and the fact that he got
1: in to the Hall of Fame, because that's really and truly the story. I, I think you're right for sure. And look, in the same way we're talking about the short processing time between the announcement and the press conference, you know, Nate, you obviously turned around this what I'm calling almost, you know, the the rough draft of Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame summer. Obviously it's a story that we're proud of and that we like you know it's gonna be fun to look at this story and then look at the next one that comes out a few months later once everyone's kind of had time to process this a little bit more and who knows maybe we even know then who didn't vote or if it was an accident or whatever but the story is too perfect pretty much on the nose (laughs) and You can look forward to that coming in the spring issue of Yankees Magazine. It'll be online. It'll be at Steinbrenner Field in Tampa, and it'll be on newsstands in New York. So look forward to that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to discuss Al's story on Al Downing, uh, the first African-American pitcher in Yankees history, and a story that Al has been working on for a while and that we're excited to finally get to publish. So stick with us.
3: Hi, this is Aaron Boone. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast.
1: The Yankees Magazine podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. It's time to move from Derek Jeter, the Yankees captain, Hall of Famer, or what have you, to another guy who made a lot of history with the Yankees in, in a way that is just much less known. And for all the joy I know that we can take in getting to write about the Derek Jeters and the Mariano Rivera's and Aaron Judge's and everything like that, one of the great things the Yankees magazine obviously does is also keep alive Yankees history. And we have a story coming in the spring issue called Trenton Made. And it's about a local kid who ended up becoming the first African-American pitcher in Yankees history, Al Downing, Al Sanosiri. Um, (laughs) You had the uh, pleasure of spending some time with him. And really, you've kind of been marinating with the story for a while now. You know, the the word you used,
2: I had the pleasure of sitting down with him or spending some time with him is is the best word. It it was a pleasure and an honor to be with him. I met him last year near his home in Southern California. We met for uh, what ended up being a long lunch uh, at a golf course that is literally in the shadows of the beautiful Rose Bowl Stadium. He is just an impressive person. Um, It's been quite a while since he pitched his last game, both for the Yankees and and in, in Major League Baseball. But his memory from his roots in Trenton to his minor league days to his days with the Yankees is impressive. You know, he he did make history becoming the first African-American pitcher in Yankees history. But there's more to it than that. You know, he had a great career. He dealt with quite a bit of a diversity, you know, pitching in the minor leagues in the South during the 50s and 60s when it was a, a really segregated adverse time certainly for an african american man at that point but he dealt with it in in a positive way he dealt with it in a dignified way he got his chance with the yankees he failed at first like a lot of rookies do he stuck with it and then you know really came
0: into his own and became a great pitcher for the yankees for for quite a while in recent years here, we saw C.C. Sabathia kind of really evolve as a pitcher for the Yankees. You know, he came here in 2009 and was just blowing hitters away in those first few years. He was one type of pitcher. And then we saw him toward the end of his career, after dealing with some injuries, become totally different type of pitcher. And, um, you know, C.C. often talked about what he learned from Andy Pettit. And, you know, we so often see... Andy's name on the, you know, Yankees all-time leaderboards alongside Whitey Ford. And so I always, I, I thought it was interesting to kind of hear uh, Al Downing talk about, you know, in much the same way that CeCe would talk about Andy Pettit, Al Downing kind of learned similar lessons by by uh, sharing a, a rotation with, with Whitey Ford here for a while. Yeah, it was really interesting, you know, because Al is from
2: Trenton, New Jersey, I, I shouldn't say because of that, but he grew up close to Yankee Stadium. He grew up in New Jersey. He was a Yankees fan growing up. And when he was in high school, before he got to the Yankees, Whitey Ford was already a very prominent pitcher for the Yankees. Obviously, Whitey was a lot older than Al. As a result, he idolized Whitey Ford as a kid. He idolized a lot of Yankees players, of course, but Whitey being one of them. Then as a rookie and a young you know, pitcher here was first thrust into this rotation in 1961, the fabled 1961 team, with Whitey Ford. And, you know, even the interesting thing about Whitey that year was he won, I think, 24 games. And it's such an it's such a forgotten stat because of Roger Maris hitting 61 home runs and Mickey Mantle hitting almost as many home runs as that. And, you know, but Whitey Ford won 24 games and was, you know, an amazing contributor to that team and Al Downing just didn't pitch that much that year you know he's a rookie and he was struggling and all that other stuff but followed Whitey uh, learned from him and Whitey kind of you know like a lot of players took him under his wing a little bit and then later in his career Al Downing becomes an older pitcher whose fastball doesn't work as much whose arm is has now had its problems and you know ups and downs and you know pro- you know issues Um, and he kind of evolves into what Whitey Ford was back when Al was a rookie. You know, he's using off-speed pitches. He's literally learned how to get players out without blowing them away. And it was really fun to hear him talk about. Man, that's what I learned from watching Whitey Ford and guys, you know, in that rotation
0: early on. And uh, it was neat. It was a really special interview. The other story that. Al Downing shared from his rookie year that I really loved was uh, the Yogi Berra anecdote and talking about, you know, at that point, I mean, Yogi was obviously a well-respected veteran, you know, kind of getting toward the end of his own playing days. And, and you know, here comes this rookie and, and he has a, a tough start, I guess. How, how did that story go?
2: Yeah, you know, Al came up from the minors and, you know, he's very young. He'd only been in the minors like a month or something coming out of spring training and pitched well enough in the minors that (laughs) for some reason they thought it's time to bring him up. I, I don't think you would ever see that today, a guy go from you know, his first you know, professional season of the minors to being in Yankee Stadium, I think like on May 24th or something. But he came up, didn't really sleep at all the night before because he was so nervous, didn't really eat any breakfast that morning and was thrown out onto the, to the mound to, in Washington, D.C. to pitch against the Senators. And after two innings or so, he was knocked out of the game <laughs> like most rookies would be. So the writers are in the clubhouse after the game and there's a quite a few of them and they're getting ready to kind of pounce on Al Downing, I guess. And Yogi intercepts them and gets in the, in between the, all the writers and Al and walks into the middle of them and says, go easy on this guy, write good things about this guy because he's going to be around for a while. What that kind of story meant to me was two things. It brought back a lot of memories of Yogi, who was a friend and who was so special and is so well known for his character, so well known for the way that he treated African-American players at a time when other white players didn't have the same open views on race relations. It brought about the type of friend that he was, the type of leader he was. It just spoke volumes about Yogi. But you know what it also spoke was volumes about Al because he was a kid who you know, like we just talked about Derek Jeter, you know, everybody admired from day one. Al Downing was a really, really hard worker, a really, really positive, good person. I realized that when I sat down with him all these years later that that didn't happen overnight. So for me, as he was telling the story, it was hard not to get goosebumps about the person and and feel some kind of emotion about the person who I was sitting in front of or sitting with, I should say.
1: And about, you know, Yogi Berra. One thing that strikes me is just the storytelling. You mentioned that it was a great afternoon or whatever you spent with him. And that just comes through so well in the story. I'm wondering, did you know him at all before that? Did you, had you ever dealt with him in any way? I didn't know him at all. I had met
2: him probably like you guys, you know, at like old timers days where I would see him on the field and shake hands with him and say hello and introduce myself. And then like a year later, say hello and reintroduce <laughs> myself. And, and that was it. Uh, kind of add to that story, I show up at this this golf course, golf club, you know, where they have a restaurant and, you know, you guys have interviewed a lot, a lot of players in your careers and, and I have as well. And, and tell me if this has ever happened. So he sees me and I see him and we, we walk towards each other and he shakes my hand and he hands me a gift and it's wrapped. In, I mean, wrapping paper and he so, so far, this is going to be a no for me, but go on. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I didn't, and a card. And I, you know, I didn't know how to approach it. And you know, I was like, well, you know, thank you. <laughs> you know, what's this? I, I left my gift for you in the car. I You know, I said, like, you know, what what is this or whatever? He said, like, you know, I know we don't know each other, but I'm just so honored that you're doing a story on me and that Yankees Magazine is, you know, is, is interested in this that I, I know. That we don't know each other at all, but I wanted to just show my gratitude and bring you something. He goes, I don't know your interests, anything like that, but I know that lighthouses are beautiful and you travel a lot. So I bought you a book about lighthouses. That's and awesome. It's so sweet. You know, it's a prized possession. I mean, I, I could go to Barnes and Noble, I could go online and buy the same book anywhere, but it means so much. And also, a signed photo. From Al to Al, something that was just so classy and obviously unnecessary. You know, he's from Jersey, so of course he's classy. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. But it's a hell of a way to
1: start an interview. I'll I say know. that I, much. I, I, I'm hearing this story, and I'm, not, I'm almost bummed out hearing the story. Like, I mean... You wish he, you did it? Well, <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying, like, it makes me happier that we're telling his story, but it also makes me feel like, you know, this guy just must bear a lot of burden. Ob- and obviously he does. And look, I, there's a lot of reasons why... Whatever your background, players from that generation, a lot of them do bear some very different burdens that current players do and certainly pioneers in that era. And, you know, whether you're the first black player on the Yankees or anything like that. I mean, you know, that's something that you took a lot of scratches. You you got, you know, a lot of thorns in you. Mm -hmm. Hearing that, I would never want, you know, to interview somebody for whom it meant that much to them, if that makes sense. Because, you know... The, we, it shouldn't have been such a big deal for someone to be out there talking to him.
2: I, I agree with you. I, I felt that same thing. And then when I started to do the interview, and he was, again, part of it is that he has a great memory. He's very sharp. But part of it is also that he clearly kind of went back, I think, in his memory, so to speak, over the you know, probably the previous days leading up to this interview and and almost prepared for it. I mean, he didn't have notes or anything like that, but he was, he was ready to go. And, you know, I thought that I was going to be there probably for about two hours or something. I mean, that's usually the length of, that's a long interview. If you're lucky, yeah. If you're lucky over lunch or whatever. I think we were there from like 12 to four. I remember because I drove to Las Vegas that night and you know, got in like at midnight or something (laughs) because, you know, I left a lot a little bit later and I didn't regret any minute of it. It it was fantastic. The other thing that, you know, that that just struck me, you talk about a storyteller. We weren't even out of him growing up and then the minor leagues. And I felt like I already had an amazing story just because of what he went through. Again, not to repeat myself, but just what he went through in the south as a you know as a minor leaguer and it was eye opening to me the way that segregation made it difficult for him just to live his life and just to be a pitcher and the fact that you know he had to live so far from the ballpark and had to stay in a different hotel when they you know when the team was on the road and I mean this isn't news to me I'm not naive I understand how it was and and certainly how it was in in, in those parts of the country but to hear the actual examples of it and the fact that he never batted an eye, he never wanted to come home, he never wanted to give up, he never did anything wrong. He just dealt with it in in a really dignified way. It made me a fan for life,
1: for sure. Well, the story is fantastic. It is called again, Trenton made. Check it out in our spring issue. Al, thanks for. Thanks for sharing both the story and also the other story. God, I'll never forget hearing about that gift in the Thank lighthouse. You. But anytime I see a lighthouse, and now I'm going to think about Al Downing. We are, like I said, it, it's spring training. We we just spent about 45 minutes or so, you know, talking about two guys from Yankees Pass. It's really exciting to me that Yankees Pass kind of now takes a break for a little bit because you know the next time we do this, we're going to be fully like into spring training, and and that's very cool. So thanks for hanging with us throughout this offseason, which I'm now calling kind of over. And like I said, stay with us because we have just some really big announcements coming in the next few weeks, uh, stuff we're really excited about that we can't wait to share with you. In the meantime, keep following us at Yanks Magazine on Twitter. Write it to us at podcast at yankees.com. Go to Yankees.com slash podcast to subscribe. And also while you're there, you can check out, we finally have a real good landing page for our podcast. So when you're streaming it right now, it's going to look much better. I'm, I'm really proud of that. So Yankees.com slash podcast, of course, go to Yankees.com slash magazine to read our long form features, including the stories, which will be up in the next couple of weeks about Derek Jeter and Al Downing yankees.com slash publications where you can subscribe or buy back issues or individual issues. And lastly, call 800 go Yanks where you can do all that and talk to a human too. So we'll speak to you in two weeks from Tampa. Very exciting. And in the meantime, enjoy, have a good one.
3: Hi, this is Tommy Kahneman for more stories like the ones you've been hearing about. Subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS.
1: The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app.